Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. We've said it before, and we can't really say it enough. There is no greater loss than the unexpected loss to death of a young child. I've heard from so many people who've lost a child that way, and I've tried to comfort them, but there's, I, I really, I don't have words. There's lots of good news for parents, actually, on the afterlife front, because young children are afterlife royalty. But still, you want your child safe in your arms. Our children aren't supposed to die before we do. And and there are people I love who have lost a child to death. And our guest this week is one such bereaved father who now devotes a lot of his life to helping others, and especially other bereaved parents. Brian Smith is a personal friend of mine. He reached out to me as he was first searching for answers after his 15-year-old daughter's sudden death seven years ago. And he impressed me so much that I invited him to do something I've allowed, I think I've allowed it, just two or three times in the nine-year history of Seek Reality. I invited him to write a guest blog post at robertagrimes.com about his transition out of strictly fundamentalist Christianity about Shane is passing. Just go to robertagrimes.com and search there on his name, Brian D. Smith, and you'll find his wonderful post. He wrote something beautiful. You'll also find a picture of his gorgeous child, Shana. Brian Smith is a certified life coach. He's a grief partner, and he's a small business consultant. He became what he calls well acquainted with grief in 2015 after the sudden passing of his daughter. He says that for the sake of his wife only and their older daughter, Kayla, he had to survive. He he drove deep into studying the nature of life and death and how best to process through grief. And now he uses all that he learned from his grief to help other people. Brian is the author of Grief to Growth. Planted, Not Buried. His book's subtitle is How to Survive and Thrive After Life's Greatest Challenges. He's also the host of the Grief to Growth podcast, and he does YouTubes. He's welcome, Brian. Dear Brian, I'm so glad to have you back with us. It's been too long. Thanks, Roberta. It's great to be here. First, tell us a little bit, because some people won't have heard from, heard from you before. Tell us about your history and about what happened when Shana died. Well, going back to my history, you kind of have to go back to the beginning, as you kind of mentioned in the introduction. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian household. Um, I know that Christianity is very comforting for a lot of people. It was the exact opposite for me. Uh, I had an extreme fear of death, which is known as thanatophobia. Uh, I just thought that, you know, I was going to die at any time and that God was going to judge me. Um, this went on for, for decades. I was in my thirties when I finally started recovering from that. I, I thankfully got into therapy and did some, some real research on what the Bible actually says, uh, yeah, which yeah. is different from what most Christians say that it says, um, did some real research on what Jesus actually said and who Jesus actually is. So was beginning to recover from that. Um, when 
seven years ago, seven years ago, this June 24th, my 15 year old daughter, Shana suddenly passed away. Um, we woke up one uh, morning and she was supposed to come down and help with the business. And Shana wasn't answering her texts that her mother was sending her. And we thought she was just sleeping in and went up to her room to find that she had, um, she had passed away during the night. There are people listening who are going to be horrified at that. She had some kind of an, of an issue, didn't she? I mean, you didn't expect this, but she did have something, didn't she? That made that possible. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Roberta. Um, People always ask me, so what exactly is it that caused her death? And the frank answer is, at this, this day, I don't really even know. She did have a heart condition uh, known as Wolf Parkinson's White Syndrome, which would cause her heart to speed up on occasion. Uh, it was well-managed. She was not even on any medication. Um, she was being seen by a cardiologist every couple of years. As a matter of fact, it had been almost two years since I think since she had seen, last seen her cardiologist because he just said every couple of years we'll just need to break it, bring her back in and check it out. But she was an athlete. She was a, a volleyball player. Oh, she was a basketball Lord. player. She just competed in a volleyball national volleyball tournament uh, the week before. Uh, as a matter of fact, she passed away on a Wednesday. She had gotten back from that tournament on Saturday evening. Oh. So I would say that Shana was healthy, but clearly there was something that caused her her uh, to pass. Now, the coroner, after she passed away, there was an autopsy, and the coroner discovered that she had a congenital heart defect that the cardiologist had not told us about. Uh, So the cardiologist said, even if I'd known about this defect, it's not as serious as enough to have done anything about it. Uh, The coroner said that they thought that might have caused her death. We, you know, frankly, we don't know. Um, It's not something that I choose to dwell on. Um, it's just one of those things. There's nothing that I could have done about it. We did everything that we knew to do. Uh, and her passing was still completely unexpected. Um, we, yes. we had no, no idea this was going to happen. And she, she looks radiant with health, beautiful, beautiful child. It, it just, uh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, yes. absolutely. So, um, yeah, as I said, people, we, we always look for answers and, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because after it happened, and I've worked with a lot of parents who have had children pass, as parents, we always try to find a way to blame ourselves. So, you know, did I not take her to right. the doctor enough? Did I do something wrong? You know, should I have seen this coming? Should I, you know, you, you go through all those different things of, of trying to assign guilt and for, uh, sadly, most often parents assign guilt to themselves. So. Uh, what I do when I work with people, that's one of the first things I try to get people to, to do is to get rid of that. You have to let go of that, um, that trying to figure out who to put the blame on. But you really have to let go of the guilt. First of all, there's nothing you could have done. Um, you did everything you, you, you're beautiful parents, both of you. And there's nothing you could have done. This, this obviously was going to happen. There's nothing you could have done. That's that's a really hard listening. Don't blame yourselves. I mean, this is something that this is how this is how life is. This is what life is about is these things that happen. As as parents, we like to believe that we're omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent and none of the above. Right. Uh, uh, You know, I, I so for for me, as I said, you know, you go back through. Should I have taken her back to the cardiologist sooner? But she wore a, she actually had, as I said, she had this condition. Her heart would speed up usually for about 30 seconds at a time. She never even lost consciousness. Um, but she wore a monitor for like a month just to, to monitor to see when an, an event happened and didn't even have a single event during that entire time. 
So the cardiologist is just like, you know, this, there's really nothing that, that can be or needs to be done. But whether your child passes, you know, from, from a heart condition or a car accident or a drug overdose or suicide or whatever it is, parents find a way to blame themselves. Um, it's just, it's really incredible to me how, to what lengths we can go through to beat ourselves up. So to any parent that happens to be listening whose child passed, I would say, whatever the circumstances were, you did everything that you knew to do and everything you could do at the time. And you have to let it go. You have to let go of that blame for yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's true. The first thing that you did, I, I guess, was first to try to kind of bring your life together. You, you, you the, the two of you, you, you have a wonderful, beautiful wife too. And, and the two, you, you just brought your, your family together and, and came through it. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I was fortunate. Um, my daughter, Kayla, who's, she's three years older than Shane, and they were like twins. I mean, they were three years apart, but they really were up so much closer than, than that. And Kayla happened to be uh, out of town on vacation when Shana passed away. So we flew Kayla back and, you know, the three of us uh, got together that night and just said, we have to get through this together. Um, so we just, we committed to each other to, to come through it together and uh, Kayla was, she just finished her freshman year at college. She was actually on summer break. Um, so she had a few weeks before she went back to school. Um, and we, we just stayed really, really close to her, even though she was two and a half hours away. Um, we said, you know, she agreed to check in with us and everything when she went back. So she, we could make sure that she was all right. And my wife and I were, you know, what do we do? You know, we, we had no idea uh, what to do or what to do or where to turn to. You know, as you mentioned in the introduction, I, uh, this is when I first started listening to podcasts. I don't even know what made me decide to listen to podcasts, but I, I found your podcast and I started listening to it. I would, I walk every day. I was walking at that time about five miles a day and I would just put on a podcast and listen to it and just try to find out, you know, what happens, you know, what really happens. Now, as I said, I had done a lot of research on the afterlife before because of my fear of death. So I had actually read Dr. Gary Schwartz's book probably, well, I don't even know how many years earlier, uh, on the afterlife experiments. I, and I'm, a, I'm an engineer, so I want to know how things work. Not just, I can't just take things on faith. So I just really started to dig deep after Shana passed. And someone recommended to me that I reach out to a guy named Mark Ireland, who happens to be one of the co-founders of an organization called Helping Parents Heal. So I emailed Mark, and this is not like me to email a stranger, and he he reached back out to me. He sent me a couple of co copies of his books that he had written after his son had passed away. And uh, so people really helped me along the way, including yourself. As you said, you asked me to do a guest blog for you. Uh, you introduced me to uh, Suzanne Wilson, who did a reading for me, which was just uh, incredible. Uh, it was one of the big first steps on my, on my healing journey. So, you know, things just kind of started to fall into place as I reached out to people and they kind of helped me to, to navigate this new world that I was living in of being a, a father with a child in spirit. And then you put, you found helping parents heal and you started working with them. Yeah, I found helping parents heal. Um, and this is one of the synchronicities. I, I, I believe that everything happens, happens for a reason. And I believe that, um, this universe is a lot more magical than people would like to, or people understand. Oh, so, so true, Brian. That is so true. Yeah, we would, every year we would go to, the, the girls love going to the beach. So like every year, every other year, we we take a beach vacation. 
And after Shayna passed away the next year, we said, Kale, you get to decide where we want to go. And she said, well, I really don't want to go to the beach without Shayna. So why don't we do the opposite? I've never been to the desert. Let's go to, to Arizona. So we went to Phoenix. And so we decided we, my wife makes all the arrangements. We get, we get to Phoenix. And then we find out that where we were staying was a few minutes away from where Elizabeth Bassan lives. And Elizabeth is the other, other co-founder of Helping Parents Heal. Right. So we said, while we're here, while we're close, why don't we get together and have breakfast? So we met with Elizabeth and she was explaining to us about the organization, said they were looking for people to, to lead groups. So my wife and I decided to lead a group with Helping Parents Heal. Fast forward, long story short, I'm, I'm now on the board of Helping Parents Heal. Right. I helped start up the online group. Um, I think they're up to about, I'm going to get the number wrong. I think it's either 14 or 20,000 people in the online uh-huh. Facebook group now. It's just it's grown tremendously. It's an international organization. We're having our second conference uh, coming in August of this year. We're going back to, to back to Phoenix. So um, Helping Parents Heal has been a lifesaver for me and for thousands of parents across the world. I think they do wonderful work um, in, and in part because that they, they just reach out and help people to feel free about the way they grieve. And um, it, 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 they're, it, it's no, there's, there, there's it's kind of a no holds barred organization. It's, it's okay to, um, to feel as you feel and to think as you think and to and to be open about your grieving. I, I really, I think they're a wonderful organization. I encourage people to reach out to Helping Parents Heal and to become part of it. So I, I think it's, it's great what you're doing and what they're doing. I, I love it. I, it's great. It's wonderful. I, I do too. I love the organization so much. You know, it, it's interesting because there are other organizations out there and I won't mention them. Uh-huh. Um, that, that don't talk about the afterlife. And I know right. the which program is, is which, which, reality. Which is kind of the point of dying. That's where you go. That's that's the fun part of dying, for heaven's sake. I, I do not understand how anybody gets <laughs> through this journey without understanding the big picture of life. I, I, I personally right. couldn't do it. So, you right. know, one of the things we say in Helping Parents Heal is that we're non-dogmatic. And we're not. You don't have to believe anything. You can believe right. nothing at all. But what I do tell people is, we we talk a lot about our kids still being with us. We talk a lot about where our kids have gone, why they were here, what our mission is while 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 we're still here. Um, I, you, we talk about that a lot. We're very open about that. That's kind of the whole point, as you said. Um, our kids are not gone. We don't call ourselves bereaved parents. Um, we start off as bereaved parents, but we don't intend to stay as bereaved parents. We actually oh. call ourselves shining light parents. Right. which has a double meaning. It's our right. kids are shining lights. They still shine brightly in this world. My daughter's still having ripple effects to this day, literally across the world. Um, but also we, as parents, we become shining lights for those that are coming behind us. So we, we, we believe and, you know, once you receive a certain amount of healing, then you can start to help other people. And that has been really key in my journey to, to healing is having that sense of purpose that Shana's life is for a reason. Shana's passing was, was for a reason and that I have a mission to accomplish while I'm still here. I, I, I very well put. Um, I, I think that that's kind of the whole point of everything. When we talk about 
death. I mean, what what comes next is kind of the point of it. it it's a door. Death is a doorway. Uh, it's 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 not the uh, the end. It's really the beginning of something which is much more wonderful than anything we that we can possibly imagine while we're here. And uh, helping helping parents heal it helps people understand that that's that's the wonderful part of death. It, it's a beginning. It's a great new beginning. So no, I think it's a wonderful organization, and I'm so glad you're still part of it, and that you uh, you help people find it. So good for you, sir. I think what you what you're doing is wonderful. But talk about some of the other things you're doing now, because I think it's all, it's all wonderful what you're doing now. Well, um, as I said, so after I joined Helping Parents Heal, I've, I've been a leader in that organization for a while. Um, again, another synchronicity. One of my friends, who happens to be a medium and an intuitive, one day said to me, Brian. Um, I just found this great life coaching program that you might want to take. And I was like, why would I take a life coaching program? I had never talked about it. never thought about being a life coach. I was frankly, God, life coaches were kind of a joke, but I was doing all this work, <laughs> helping people with, with helping parents heal. And I'm like, this is kind of what I'm doing. So why doing not? It anyway, go, right? Yeah. Why not go ahead and get certified in it? Um, and I feel like it's actually my calling. Um, I, I, I love what I do. I love working with people that are going through, through grief, uh, especially those early stages of grief. I talk to people, you know, they're a year in or a year and a half in or six months in or six weeks in. And I remember, I know what that feels like. And that's the thing about going through this journey. You know, you can, you can talk to someone about grief who hasn't been through it, but you don't really know until you, until you've gone through it. So I got certified as, as a life coach. I, I built my website about, it's been about three years ago now. Uh, inspired by you and others, I decided to start a podcast. So I've got the grief to growth podcast. Uh, I think we're up to about 200 episodes now. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. So I, I repurpose my interviews. I go on podcasts and uh, they go to YouTube. Um, and I'm, and I'm actually working right now on another certification as a mental fitness trainer. So that's the next phase of what I, what I want to do to work with people. So mental fitness trainer, talk about that. Well, what it is, is, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of times we go to a coach or to a therapist or whatever, we get a lot of insights, you know, we, we go and they say, you know, this is, you know, we, we get insights, but the thing is mental fitness is just like physical fitness. You, you have to work out. You have to, you have to go to the gym as it, as it were. So actually a few months ago, I came up with this acronym that I use with my clients and I call it gems, which is gratitude, exercise, meditation, or mindfulness and sleep. And I'm like, these are the four really key areas of, of I found in my life that I really need to practice on a daily basis to, to get better and to heal. And the mental fitness training I'm going through takes that to the next level because we basically are of two minds. We have one side of our brain that, that says to you that you're, that you're no good. Uh, it's, it's filled uh, anger and fear and guilt and all those emotions. And we call those the saboteurs. Then we have the other side of ourselves, which we call the sage, which is the part of us, which is loving and kind and generous and all of those attributes. And so we literally have this kind of war going on between us. I don't know if you ever heard this, if you remember the story of the two wolves, the Cherokee story, like with these two wolves oh, inside yeah, of us that are fighting yeah. and which one wins the one that we feed. Yeah. Well, what, what mental fitness training about is actually training ourselves to feed that sage side of our brain. And training ourselves to weaken the saboteur side of our brain and to recognize the difference and to be able to make that switch from one to the other. So I, I am a firm believer that 
everything is a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how you look at it. We, we give meaning to the things that happen in our lives. So extreme example, my daughter passing away. I could say Shana was taken away from me. She was only 15 years old. This is not fair. Life is not fair. I will never see her again. And I'm just going to lay down and die. That's it. I mean, there's no point in going forward because this world just is horrible. And that's a story that a lot of us tell ourselves when something this first happens. Or I could tell myself that my daughter's life had true meaning, that her life was planned, that everybody's only here for a short period of time, whether it's six months, six weeks, 15 years, or 90 years, it's not that long, that we all go back to spirit, that my daughter is still with me, that I still can communicate with her. And, and that I could give her life even more meaning now that she's passed than if she maybe had been here, you know, in the flesh. Both of these things are stories that I could tell myself. They're both supported by the facts. My, my daughter did pass away. I could decide how I choose to look at that. And what the, what the mental fitness training does and what I do when I work with people is help them to make that transition to say, I choose to look at this this way as opposed to looking at this this way. I think that's really beautiful to go through life, being grateful for everything. It's literally transformative. Gratitude is the single most, I think, important attitude that you can have to have to be grateful for everything that's in your life, big or small, to be grateful that that she was in your life for each thing that she that she brought to your life. It is at least gives her life meaning to you. Um, and, and people, I don't think people understand that. For, to, to, you, you're basically, in a way, you trash her life if, if you aren't grateful to the fa- for the fact that she was in your life. I, I don't understand why people don't see how important it is to be mm. grateful for everything that you have. Well, I I will say this, Roberta, it is a hard teaching. And frankly, when I first heard it, I thought this is total BS. You know, why should I be grateful? (laughs) Why should I be grateful? That way. Oh, my. I think that's a natural human thing. We, we, our brains, and this is not, this is not a bad thing about being human. Our brains are wired to look at the negative. It's a, it's a survival skill. It's something that we've evolved into. So if there's a saber-toothed tiger out there in the woods, it's better to see it and run than to think, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's a gift. Maybe it's a rabbit. You know, so there's, there's a reason why our brains are evolved this way. So don't, don't beat yourselves up for it. But I, I do want to say this. Um, I completely agree with you, but it took me years to get here. So what I tell people is just try it. Try a gratitude practice. Very simple exercise. You can start doing it tomorrow. When you wake up in the morning, think of three things you're grateful for before you get out of bed. And they could be big things. They could be small things. It could be like, uh, right now it's warm. It's spring here in Ohio. I'm really grateful that it's spring. I'm wearing shorts today, which is, I love the fact that I can wear shorts. Uh, it might be, I'm having dinner with friends. It, you know, just think of, start with small things. And what it is, it will literally train your brain. It will train your neural pathways to start seeing more beauty in the world. And, the, and, and what you see will actually will actually change. So for anyone that says, oh, this is not going to change my life. I understand what you're saying. I was a skeptic myself, but after practicing this for probably about five years now, that's, that's why it's number one in my, in my acronym. It's gratitude is the first thing. Yeah. What what I, what I teach people to do is 
write down one thing today that you're grateful for. And it's usually you can get through a month and writing down one thing. But if you you can't ever duplicate after a month, it gets harder and harder and harder to write down one thing. And but but you if if you always are training yourself to look for something that you're grateful for, it it really does make you start looking at the world very much differently. Um, it, it really does, and and it becomes it becomes a habit, you know. So we yes. can we can you can rewire your brain, and I'm telling you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because if there was ever a glass half I'll full say- person. Brian, I'll say that's true. If you were that grouchy before, I'll say that's true. Oh, yeah. People that, you know, people that knew me before would, 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 would attest to this. I'm sure that my wife would attest to it also. But um, <laughs> she would. You know, it's gotten to the point now where I, I you know, I watch what's going on, for example, in, in Ukraine right now. And what I've realized is we're not, a lot of times we're not grateful for something until it's taken away. So I try to be grateful oh, for God. the fact I have the internet and I can talk to you right now. You know, I have clean running water in my house. I mean, these things that we we take for granted because we are always looking for the things that we don't have. We we concentrate, as you said, on what's been taken away from us. With my with my daughter, um, fifteen years with one of the most special souls on the planet, and I work from home. We homeschooled her. I got to spend so much time with her, more time oh, than wow. most parents do in forty years. Uh, we were literally together all day, every day. So I can focus on that instead of focusing on what I don't have right now. People who are young now have no idea. I mean, um, I, and I, I talked with my, my mother-in-law who was born, I think she was born in 1905. And I got to spend a lot of time talking to her about what her life was like when she was young. They had nothing, nothing. I mean, we have so much now. We don't even think about what we have now. I mean, the, life is so rich for people now, and and oh, and it it costs so little to have so much now. Um, really, we 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 have so much to be grateful for. We we could be grateful for so many things that we don't even think of. No. Yeah, we, we can be. And I just said, you know, I, I know as people are listening to this, you know, someone might say, well, I, I don't have that or I don't have that. And again, we can always talk about what we what we don't have because we can we can always have more. And that's the way the human mind mind is wired. It's like, what's the next thing? And that's the other lesson is that people say, I will be happy when we're very we're very we, we make we base our happiness on our situation. So we say, I'll be happy when I get that next job. I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I meet the perfect person. I'll be happy when my kids are grown and out of the house, you know, on and on and on. We all have these things that we base our happiness on. And that's one thing about this gratitude practice that will really help is to say, what can I be grateful for right now in in this moment? You know, what, and and there's always something, there's always something to be grateful for. I don't, you know, I challenge anybody to say I can't be grateful for the fact I can draw my next breath. Or if, you, if you've had food in your stomach right now, you can be grateful for that. You know, we, we, can, we can always find something. I, I think one great exercise that uh, my, my daughter actually has been doing, um, she, she, she has a very good tech, tech career. And she's been experimenting with getting rid of things. And mm-hmm. it's surprising um, how much you don't miss when you get rid of it. It's 
really surprising the things that, that you can have and not miss when you get rid of them. It's absolutely true. And the, the thing is that people have found that having more stuff doesn't necessarily make you happier. In fact, it's interesting when it comes to marketing, because my background is in, is in marketing, is that if you give people too many choices, they're actually less happy. Right. Um, because, yes, because once right. they choose something, all they think about is what they've missed out on. So simplifying your lives is is another way to really become more grateful by by actually starting to remove some of those choices. Uh, our our neighbor up the road here in Austin um, owned all these houses, and um, then he decided to get to get rid of all his houses, and now he he just apparently uh, uh, Elon Musk he uh, now he just occasionally uh, flops with friends and. He doesn't miss all his houses. I mean, when you think about it, it, you don't need all that stuff. My husband's been saying that he wants to keep, he's been buying bigger and bigger houses. And finally, we decided, wait, we're going to stay in a smaller house. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just a point. I mean, how much is enough? You don't need any more. We actually are very happy in the smaller house. So we decided that we would just stay in. Mm, yeah. Um, between bigger houses. I, and what they're, they're now, uh, we, we have two kids who live with us um, who have both have, they both have Asperger's and they're, they've decided not to have, not to, uh, not to get married. They've, they're, it's funny how people who have Asperger's, um, they, they date and date and date and they decide suddenly they're not going to get married, um, mm. which is kind of a wonderful thing because then we get to, we get to have all these people living with us, which is really fun. But we're at a stage, I think, where more and more people decide less is more. And that's that's a part of what you're talking about, really. Fewer- it's really understanding, I guess, the, the, the true meaning of life. I saw a quote the other day by Jim Carrey, and I can't say it exactly, but it was kind of like, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they could see that that's not what makes them happy. Because yes. in our society, <laughs> we tend to think, again, that next thing is going to make me happy, that next car, that next house, that next thing. And when we look, we see that often people, the wealthier they are, the beyond a certain point, once you get beyond a point of making a living. So I don't want to say, you know, making money is not important, but beyond a certain point, there's actually a diminishing return. Right. That's right. And and people become less satisfied because they realize that no matter how much I have, it's never going to make me happy because it's, that's not what life, as you, you said earlier, that's not what life's all about, you know? And we can't take it with us, and it doesn't. It doesn't bias. Doesn't bias happiness. And I, I, I look at some of these people, and I just kind of shake my head and smile when I see, why are you chasing the next billion? You're not going to live long enough to spend that money. You can't possibly spend it. So what's the point? There's no point. In fact, you know the reason we're going to do Seek Reality Online, this website to educate uh, people about death and the afterlife, and we're doing it as efficiently as possible. We're not doing a big fancy website. The reason we're doing this website, and then we're going to optimize it to get it to as many people as we can in the world. There's a reason we're doing it. Mm -hmm. The reason is that once people know for certain that there is no death, and that the afterlife is actually maximized for human happiness. The the place where we go after we die is maximized for human happiness. That's what it is. That's that's how it's designed. There will be no more wars. There'll be no more hatred. 
human life on earth will be what Jesus told us in the, in the Gospels. The, 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 the phrase he used most often is the kingdom of God will overspread the earth. That's what will happen. Literally, what he talked about two thousand years ago will, will will happen. The kingdom of God will overspread the earth. That's why we're doing this. That's why I work day and night at the age of seventy five, is to make this happen. That's all yeah. that matters to me now. That is the most important realization, and I believe that's the only thing that really matters. You know, I, and it kind of I, I I could talk about maybe the converse of that. I'm like the the number one problem in the world is people don't know who they are. People have forgotten who they are, and therefore we're all divided. We're all trying to grab. We're all we're all thinking there's not enough for everybody. Uh, you know, it's it's about maximizing the, our our material, maximizing this life, as opposed to as opposed to contextualizing this life and remembering why it is we came here. You know who we are. The fact that this is just a temporary stop. This is this is actually a very short stop. And you know, you're you're a little bit older than I am, but the older we get, the more we realize this life is not that long. Time flies. So um we're only gonna be here a short time. So we might as well make the best of it while we're here and, and stop stop all the stuff that we go through. When we die, all we have to do is think of something we want from the earth, turn around, and there it is. And it's free. All those things we thought we wanted on earth, you want it? Think of it, turn around, there it is. It's free. That's what I want everybody on earth to know. Yeah. You don't even need money. Yeah, I think it's... Everybody knows that there'll be no more wars, there'll be no more hatred, there'll be no more anger, there'll be no more suffering. That's what I want everybody to know. And that's why we're doing this website. Yeah, and I it think will it's be live in another month. That's that's an awesome mission because I think, as I said, I think that that is the most important thing, and that's what I really want to help people understand because it also helps with with the grief that we go through. I mean, the, I don't I don't want to ever minimize anybody's grief. I don't want to ever say to anybody, "Oh, you should just don't worry, be happy," because everything is the way it's supposed to be, and you know, I, you know, your loved ones, you know, they're better off, and you know. No, I, I miss my daughter. I miss her every day. I, and I can't wait to see her again. But it's more oh, like yeah. she's away at school. You know, it's more like she's on vacation. You know you're going to see gone. her. Yeah. And she's right there in the room with you now. It's just, that, it's just that you can't see her right now. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny. I have a friend, a really good friend who's a fantastic medium. And we were talking one day. And she actually sees my daughter objectively, which I kind of wish I could do. But she says, Shana says that she hugs you all the time. You just can't feel it. Yeah. And um, so I, I have that knowledge and I, and I know that she hugs me. I know that she's with me. Uh, when I do my podcast, actually, I use a virtual background and Shana's behind me. And the reason why she's behind <laughs> me is it's because I believe she's literally behind me. Um, yeah. So she's, she's still, she's still with me in a very real way. And that is, that's what I want everybody to know your loved one that you think is gone is not gone. They're not, they're not even in heaven necessarily. They are still right here with you. They are still walking this journey with you. They're very concerned about your life. They're very concerned about your happiness. And if you're still holding on to that sadness and all you're thinking about is the moment they died or what you did wrong or what you could have done better, or you're missing them, you're actually kind of robbing them of the joy that they would have living their life vicariously along with you. Yeah, it, I mean, it's this is a hard row that, that people have to 
have to row uh, because um, because it is hard to go without the person that you love right beside you. But it's part of part of growing spiritually is loving them, knowing that you're going to see them later, but but they're not here right now. And uh, it's what you're doing is so important, dear. It really is. Thank you so much for helping people to get through this time. It's tough. It, it is. It is. It is very tough, you know, but as I said, I, I, I use a lot of analogies because we can only talk about big spiritual truths and analogies. Um, we, we can't speak about them directly, but I tell people because a lot of people will say to me, well, Brian, why would this be planned? I would never plan to have my my daughter die early. I would never plan to for this or that. And I'm like, you know, if you think about our, our higher selves, it's kind of like your parents, you know, when, when you're a parent, you know, that sometimes our kids go through things that are going to make them stronger, that are going to make them better. And you, yes. it doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean that you, you know, you're not, you're not sad that they're going through that thing, but you know, that they're going to come through it and they're going to be okay. And as our higher selves, you know, we put ourselves through this. I, I, I use another analogy I use is college. Um, I'm like, okay, my degree is in chemical engineering, four years at Ohio state in chemical engineering was tough. It was really hard. I could not wait for graduation, but I did it because I knew that that degree would would get me something, would make me a better person, would would provide me with a better job, you know, whatever. So I I tell people, if you knew that you could go and live in this physical plane for 70, 80, 90 years, um, and you come out a better person than you were when you went in and you come out with all these new skills and empathy and compassion and love, you know, would you be willing to do that for what's a relatively short period of time? You know, would you do it for 10 minutes? Would you do it for an hour? Because um, I've, I've been told that when we're in the physical, we can learn as much in 10 minutes as we can in 10,000 years in spirit. That's yeah. why we come here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like from there, this doesn't look like it's going to be very long. And it, it doesn't seem like very long from there. It's just from here it does. And it feels like tough duty from there, from, from here. Well, one here. of the reasons why it feels so long from here is because we forget where we're from. I mean, I've heard so many people say, you know, forever. They'll say, I'm never going to see this person again. Or for, they'll use the word forever. And I'm like, a human lifetime in, in the physical is not forever. Your no. human lifetime here is, is, is again, it's, it's relatively short. And the years, the older I get, the faster they go. I mean, it's, oh, I, I look right. at, I have memories that come up on my Facebook all the time. And, and I have an Alexa in my office that brings up photos from years ago. I'm like, wow, was that really two years ago? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of my daughter right now from like 12 years ago. And it seems like it was, you know, six months ago. Right. So what I tell people is, you know, the thing about this life is it's tough, but I did this exercise program a long time ago called P90X, and it's it's high interval high interval intensity training. And one of the things about this training is you go really hard for like a minute, and then you rest. And one of the the phrases the guy used in the program was, "I can do anything for sixty seconds." And I I always remember that when I when when times are getting tough for me here, I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can do this, but I I know I can do it for another day. I know I can do it for another week. Whatever the amount of time is for you. You know, for some people in the early stages of grief, it might be another hour, but just yeah. think, can I, can I just hold on for this a little bit longer and, and nothing bad lasts forever. So whatever it is you're going through, I guarantee you that it will get better. 
Yeah. And also you will be with your loved one again there. And meanwhile, they are happy. They are loved. They are cared for. The amount of love and care that they get where they are now is, is beyond our ability to imagine. They're loved so much. They're cared for so much. And that's true of our pets too. One of the things that people worry about so much is their, is their pets, you know, is somebody, you know, patting my dog, is someone caring for my cat? Oh, yes. If you love your animal, your animal's being cared for now. So, so carefully, so preciously. And that helps, I think. Um, I think, I think it does. Um, you know, again, I've had, I've had many medium readings and very often Shana will come through with her grandfather. So, um, he passed a few years before she did. So we know that there are people there to, to meet them and take care of them. And I've heard people say, well, you know, what if I didn't know my relatives? Well, they still know you. Um, because oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we all preexisted before we came here. So it's still a reunion when you, when you go back home. Even if yeah. you're, you know, an only child that never met your relatives, yeah. um, we all we all have people on, on the other side that that are there to care for us and love us. And, and meanwhile, here we we continue to work and we're I, I believe that we're very much a team. You know, we we come in. I think we come in more than once. We come in. We, we change roles. Sometimes, you know, Shana might go earlier. Sometimes I might go earlier. Um, but it's all, it's all for the benefit of each other. And we all, we all learn from each other's experiences. And so the way I look at my life right now is, um, I still have an assignment. I still have a job to do while I'm here. So, uh, and I contracted for this. I signed up for it. And you're helping so many people. Um, I mean, not just the people that you work with directly, but the, all the people who listen to your podcasts and, you know, the, the people that they're listening to you now. I mean, people identify so much with, I mean, you, you lost your daughter and you're carrying on and helping others, even though you went through all of that. I mean, people listen and they, they think, wow, you're strong. Maybe I could be strong too. That's a wonderful thing you're doing, dear. Thank you so much for that. Well, you know, the thing is, um, we're all a lot stronger than we think we are. Um, I've heard so many people say, Oh, I could never, you know, I could never do this. I could never, I could never, you know, you'd be surprised what you can do if you're forced to do it. Um, these, these things, uh, I think they actually reveal who we are and they were, they reveal the strength that we've all got inherently. The human spirit is actually pretty amazing. And again, I'm the kind of person I, I would have never dreamed that I would be doing this. I would have never dreamed I'd be, you know, helping other people. When Shana first passed away, I literally did not want to be here. And I, I and I say that for a reason. I want people to know that if you feel that way, it's perfectly normal. I've talked to so many parents that have said, I don't want to be here. Um, most of them not suicidal. Most of them not taking an active role in, in their passing. Some of them actually suicidal. Um, but then, you know, something hits us and says, no, that's not the right thing. You know, I, I, I interviewed someone very recently that, that really thought about taking their own lives and, and they felt like God stopped them and said, no, this is not the right thing for you, for you to do. So, um, you can make that shift. It's, it is work. It is, it's, it is a, it is a choice. It is a practice. You know, people say time heals all wounds. Not necessarily. You can choose to stay bitter. Um, but you can also choose to get better. You can choose to to do the work and you can choose to 
I believe honor your loved one by doing that work. And that's, I think that for me is a big motivation. I, I know my daughter was pretty hard on me when she was here. Shana had a sharp tongue and she would tell you really quickly if you weren't living up to what you were supposed to be doing. So I, when I see her <laughs> I again, imagine. I want her to say that I'm proud of what you did, not, you know, what the heck yeah. were you doing there, daddy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you have someone to answer to. <laughs> When you get when you get home, you're gonna have someone to answer to, I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh my dear. Oh, I wish we had more time together, but we'll do this again. Oh, well, it's been so good to have you here. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's uh Brian's website is grief to growth with a two, grief to growth. And um, he's just a wonderful person to listen to and talk to. And he tells you like it is, as you can hear, which I think is very important. So if you have, if you know someone who, who is grieving or if you're grieving yourself, I can't think of a better person to talk to than, than Brian Smith. He is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And we've come to the end of our time. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Big hug, my dear friend. Same to you, Roberta. And meanwhile, again, again, as I say, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you could be with us today. Please never forget that you have been, you are a powerful, powerful, always have been and always will be for all eternity, a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you fully grasp what that means, it changes everything in, in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Peter Wright. You know him well. He'll be with us for the 12th time. He's an amazing man. He's a licensed hypnotherapist based in Santa Barbara. He's been very popular in the past. He's one of only 40 board-certified past life regression therapists in the nation, certified as a life-between-lives hypnotherapist as well. He's skilled in spirit releasement therapy, too, and you can find those interviews on our past episodes on webtalkradio.net. Next week, we'll be talking about past life regressions. Peter has helped almost 2,000 people at this point with his various forms of hypnotherapy, and actually, I'm one of them. Working with him was a stunning experience for me, and I learned a lot, even though my spirit guide, Thomas, refused to let me be regressed to any of my past lives with him, which was, was the point of what I was trying to do. Thomas can be a spoil sport, but that's all right. He sees his clients in his office in Santa Barbara and also by phone or by Zoom. And people, actually more than any of the other people I've worked with, people have raved with about his, their experiences with him, raved to me. They send me emails. So um, I just got another of those emails. So I thought, okay, time to talk, talk to Peter again. And therefore, um, he's going to be with us again next week. So please be sure to join us. And this week, we've been talking with another friend of mine whose career in helping people, I think uh, I, it's probably unparalleled. He works especially with the bereaved. Brian Smith has been with us for the third time, but he'll be back again. He lost his beautiful daughter, Shana, and she was beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And is still, and he, she, she's in another place. She'll be with her dad before we know it. Shana um, was a sweet, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful child. And uh, apparently, although she had uh, something which could conceivably have taken her life, there was no way to know that she was going to go early. So her father really could blossom as he has blossomed, as you can see. 
He's now a grief coach. He helps others and especially those who have lost their children. He's one of just a handful of people who have really touched me so much that um, I think I'm probably going to be working with him again, perhaps on my new website. Um, he is flying now, and I think he's going to be flying even more in the future and doing things to help other people in ways that perhaps he doesn't even understand yet. Uh, so we've enjoyed having him again on Seek Reality, and I love I love watching him fly. And my dear friends, it's time again to mention the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, which is Seek Reality's wonderful nonprofit cousin. AREI is headed by our beautiful friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan. Craig is the sole living person who is most on top of everything afterlife and greater reality. AREI puts out a wonderful monthly newsletter. Just go to afterlifeinstitute.org and sign up to learn as much as you can from the man who remains my primary teacher. As you know, I have several nonfiction books, Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, and The Fun of Living Together, and soon The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's also The Fun of Meeting Jesus, and you can order all these books through bookstores on Amazon. And the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk to me about any of my books or anything at all, just go to the green contact block on robertagrimes.com and send me an email. And meanwhile, now this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular in all the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.